Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. This is Jodi and I am so excited for our episode today as this is the first time we have had a previous guest come back on our podcast. Today, I am going to reintroduce you to a truly amazing woman, Lorna Hollander. Now, I interviewed Lorna in the very early days of our podcast back in episode number 12, which was in September 2020 which was all about using the power of EFT or tapping to build your confidence. Now, Lorna remains an international award-winning master EFT practitioner, but she has also recently published her first book titled, Thank God He's Gone, The Smart Woman's Guide to Getting Back Your Personal Power and Reclaiming Your Confidence, which went to number one in 10 categories on its debut launch in February of this year. Now, I've known Lorna for many years after we met at a presentation I was doing for a women's networking group. She's positive, she's vivacious, and she has an infectious spirit that you cannot help but be affected by when you are near her. Over the years, I have watched her grow her business and do truly amazing work empowering women to heal, to take back their power, and to thrive. I absolutely loved the book and its message and just knew I had to invite her back to talk to us more about how to reclaim your confidence now that he's gone. So, Lorda, welcome back to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you, Jodie, so much. I can't believe how long it's been since the first podcast. I know, right? I know. We're up to like 50 something or other. And that was like number 12 in the early days. Oh, I no, think thank we- you for having me back. You're so welcome. And as I said, I read your book. Oh my goodness. And I was like, I said to Anastasia, okay, so she's coming back. We have- <laughs> I think I messaged you just before when you were like starting the going, I'm about to launch. I'm like, okay. And you're going to come back onto my podcast, right? Because this is It's a topic so many women need to talk about and it's so prevalent no matter what's happened, why he's gone, whether you called it or they called it or whatever, it happens, whether it's marriage, whether it's a relationship, whether it's whatever, it happens. And so many times we have our confidence affected at that moment in time. Absolutely. And I I will add here, had I thought for a second our beautiful men counterparts would read such a book, he would have said, thank God they've gone. Right. But sadly, I know they won't because it's all of us when we get to the yeah. end of a relationship, we hang on, we ruminate over it, we go over all the details and what if I had of and what if he could have and yeah. had I been, yeah. we do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's pointless. We, we need to get to a stage where we go, it's done. It wasn't serving us, whether we can be honest about that up front at the beginning or not. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah and do some healing from it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to talk more about the book. But firstly, 
Tell us a little bit about yourself and your motivation for writing this book. I originally scoped this book in something like 2013. Uh-huh. I had come out of, trying to do the math, so I come out of my first divorce at that and I was married at that stage again. So I scoped a book and it was when she first leaves this man, how do we heal her, right through to she's in a brand new relationship, how is she juggling him and his kids? And I went, oh, that's way too big. There's no <laughs> way someone's going to start off there and read the book and be, so I thought, no, nah, that doesn't work. So I cut it down and realised it was three books in one. Wow, okay. And so the scoping had already started back then. You know, by 2015, my marriage has fallen apart, my second one, heading to the divorce. By the time I got myself through that, through all the stuff for the divorce, healed what needed to be healed, I was still working then, I was building my business, went part-time, kids were still home, lots of stuff. Yeah. Come late 2018, my father dies. My father passes over. And that really was a massive trajectory for me to go, let's heal the masculine. Let's heal all these wounds. Not that my dad did anything untoward to me at all, but it was just a couple of divorces. Those sort of healed wounds start to heal that. So as part of the healing of that and then recognising my business was doing well, I wanted to look at leaving the job I was in, let's leave your job and let's write your book. Yes, fabulous. Felt right. It was the right timing, yeah. And books are like that. Mine sat on the shelf for a long time. <laughs> until I Anast- remember you telling yeah, me until that. Until Anastasia went, uh, okay, it's time. Let's get the dem. It takes so much as well. It takes so much out of you. And it's so it's the right timing. I believe the timing comes along. So it's just the right timing for you. And the other perfect timing was part of the book for anyone who who's read the book, I hope you all go and read the book. There is reference to this man I was dating. I had been dating a man while I was writing the book or while I was heading into the phase of it and there were so many triggers with him that meant I can recognise my triggers, I can see where I've healed, I can see where I'm I'm showing up differently. So it was like I could write about that in the book to go, I was here, now I'm clearly here and this is the journey. Yeah, perfect. It was. It was just perfect. Yeah, and it has. I felt that there was a real journey through the book. Like there is those parts of the beginning when you just, when it's all new and you're navigating this new world and you're broken or your confidence has been destroyed or all those sorts of things and how you move through to the different phases, which I think that's so valuable for women to be able to see that I guess there's a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) But the work that you have to do that it's possible to then in new relationships start showing up as someone else, start being and and knowing that the healing has worked and the healing has happened and you can have a different experience. Correct. And you can put boundaries in place and hold them knowing that you're worthy of having boundaries and the boundaries are okay and, and to have a say and to have a voice and not compromise everything is actually okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the book, we ask, and we have asked you before, but I want to see if there's a different answer or a different in a different way. What does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? When you gave me this question last time, I remember having it rolled <laughs> around. It really is that inner self and that inner knowing. Yeah. I know who I am. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what I'm capable of. I know... I know far more about me than I ever, ever did. And I think turning 50 when I learned to basically say to the world, you know what, if you don't like me, you can, mm, 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 mm. I don't yes. care. Yeah. 
that that helped with my confidence too because it was like I no longer cared what the world's judgment was. Yeah. This is me. This is how I'm going to show up and experience my life. Yeah. I'm not yeah. rude, cruel, nasty or mean to anyone. No. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not going to back down and, and play the little wife again ever again either. Yes. So that's the confidence to me. It's just that certainty inside that I know who I am. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And for someone who is a month and a half, two months off turning 50, I full-heartedly agree it's like, come on, baby, we're just going to live lot. Like it's that journey, but then you sort of reach this 50 milestone going, yeah, no more compromising. I'm not compromising on myself. Yeah. I am who I am, like it or lump it. And if you lump it, good, ri- <laughs> good riddance. Correct. And, and it's can like you please so move many- out the way quickly so we can fill the place with other people that are really happy to celebrate who I am and all my, you know, bits and pieces, all my flaws and good stuff and bad stuff and whatever. Exactly, exactly. And I just, and I think that's as the women, we just step into that maturity. Yeah. We step into that inner knowing. And like 50 for me was like, man, you're at the halfway mark, girl. Yeah, yeah. You've got some stuff to do. You yeah, need to yeah. get doing it. Yeah, yeah. Stop. And that's the year my marriage ended was when I turned 50 because it was like, no more. Yeah. This isn't my reality anymore. Life is too short. My mum died when she was 42. I was 18. Yeah. Two weeks. She was gone. It was yeah. like, no. Yeah, yeah. And I actually interviewed a lady the other week about turning 50 and things like that. That came up for me too. My mother died when she was 52. And at the time, I think I was 27, 20, and I thought, well, you know, she was 52, you know. Now I go, oh, my God. You know, it was like that perspective from a, a young girl going, well, in your 50s, you know, you're getting on. And now I'm turning 50 going, Holy dooly, that's like I've got a lot Way left. Too young. <laughs> yes, I've got. And that a, was my mum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She had it. She had a good innings. She was yes. forty-two. Yes, what? I know. Crazy, right? Crazy. Well, not okay. even hitting your stride yet. No, exactly, exactly. And when are you the most confident version of yourself? Which is a lot of times, I'm sure. But is there been progression since the last time I interviewed you, or more of the same? More of the same, but on a deeper, better level. Because I said, since my dad passed over in 2018, it's been a massive, purposeful, intentional transformation. Yeah. I guess I feel my most confident when I forget to be afraid. Yes. Yes. When I forget to be afraid, I get in and I do everything I need to do because we forget to be afraid. That's my most confident. And I wish everyone could forget to be afraid more often. Me too. It's one of those things that it's always in the way, isn't it? It's always in the way. Oh, I know. That's a great answer. We haven't had it put like that before and I love that one. So excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, so let's get into the book. Now, in the very first section of the book and later on in the chapters, you talk about forgiveness and how it took you 50 plus years and a couple of divorces along the way to get there. What do we need to forgive ourselves for and why is this crucial for us moving forward into a happy life? The forgiveness part is probably the hardest part that anybody gets to because when you start to work into the space of forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for the part you played, forgiveness for the decisions you made, then you have to start owning those decisions. Mm, Yeah. You have to start owning it and it's no longer his fault, her fault, anyone else's fault, you played a part, 
you were involved in it, you did make decision, even if you chose not to make a decision, yes, that was still a decision, decision not to engage and make a decision, <laughs> yes. you have to start owning your own stuff, your own ups, downs, rights, wrongs, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, you have to start owning that. So the forgiveness stuff, when you embrace it fully, you have to face that stuff, as painful as it is. But once you're on the other side, it's great. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to carry on the thoughts, the memories, the behaviours, and they're going to play into new relationships. Whether you want a new man or woman in your life or not is irrelevant. It still shows up and plays out if you don't get to the forgiveness but you've got to be prepared to look at your own stuff and to get out of that victim. That that victim keeps us so stuck. It keeps us so in a holding pattern versus being able to go, you know what, I did have the part in that. Yes. Yep, I stayed. I should have left, but I didn't. I stayed. It was crap and I own that. Yep, yep. Now you can do something about that. Yeah. Now you can get to forgiveness for yourself about it. It's no longer external and you had no control. I had full total control. Yeah. That's the part I did. Let me let myself off the hook for that. Yes. Stop beating yourself up. Yeah. Because it's not helpful. It doesn't put you on the path to healing when you're just criticising yourself and berating yourself and going over and over the same stuff over again. And and as you say, you bring it into new relationships. But it's not helping. It's not healing. It doesn't help you move forward until you just take it on, recognise it and let the damn thing go, like just move through it. And then you can make different choices from a place of power, right? Correct. And that's that's the the crucial part there, Jodie, coming from your place of personal power. Yes. Owning all that and healing all that gives you your power back. It's no longer external. Yeah, yeah. Do things with that when you own it. No, exactly. We have to give up that victim. And it, it is painful to look at all that stuff and take ownership sometimes in the beginning. Very. But, oh, my God, the freedom after that is just worth every <laughs> every minute you put into it. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Now, I loved when you talked in the book, oh, my God, this turning around this question, oh, my God, this made me laugh. So It didn't make me laugh, actually, but it was just like, it was like that light bulb moment of so many times I've done this in my past. Loved where you talked about turning the question of does he like me to do I like him or her, whatever your flavour is. You said, I chose men that were emotionally unavailable, prioritised anything and everything over spending time with me, who said all the right things but didn't deliver, Men who made deals and promises only to not deliver their end of the deal once they received their take, that you prioritised making them feel safe and welcome rather than prioritising how you felt, whether they liked you rather than whether you actually (laughs) liked them. Oh, what a great shift in change. So why is this so important for us to change this perspective for women in these relationships? I also wrote that from a dating space because obviously I'm a single sassy girl here in Sydney. <laughs> so I do go out and date from time to time, not, not a whole lot, but I do go out. And there is there's this, this perception as girls seem to get into that, well, he's turned up so A, I need to invite him in, B, I need to allow <laughs> him some time and space in my energy, you know, and, and I'll see how he goes and I'll see what versus do I actually like him? Yeah. 
I know he really likes me, but if I find him the biggest pain or he's got traits and things that I don't like, why do we give them a go? Why do we hang on? Yes. And, you know, they'll text us and they'll annoy us and they'll ring and we go, all of my patterning here and all my stuff's all on his time frame. Yeah. Do I actually really like him enough for this to be okay? Yeah. Versus... Cut it off. Yeah. Cut him off yeah. just with kindness. I don't believe in ghosting. We're grown no, no, ups. Just no. go. Yeah, same. Hey, honey, yeah. not for me. Have a lovely life. Take yeah. care of you. Done. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was better to sit on my own on a Saturday night yeah. than to entertain someone else in that space that I didn't really like because I thought I had to be the good girl and I couldn't be rude and I couldn't just ignore him yeah. versus you know what? Yeah. It's not working for me. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, Thanks, yeah. but no yeah. thanks. And the red flags are going off and it's giving them, oh, maybe that wasn't, maybe that was just a one red flag. Maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like there's so much leeway. I mean, I haven't dated for a very long time because I've been happily married for, uh, you know, 16 years. But in those early days, I did do all that. Oh, maybe there's red flags here, but I let them go and I let them and go. We do. What the hell do we and do that we for? We are natural born nurturers. We are yeah. natural born carers. You know, we like to make other people feel comfortable. I talk a lot in the book about the relationship with my mum that was in, in our household was very much keep the boys happy, yeah. don't rock the boat, don't upset things with the boys. And the boys being my dad and my brother and yeah. even like They work hard. Work, they work. <laughs> yeah, and don't brag about how well you did at school because your brother might not be doing so well. And just <laughs> all sorts of things that were very geared around yeah. keep them happy. Yes. And I think of the compromises I made in my marriage that I should have nipped in the bud and, yeah. and absolutely stopped it, but I didn't because it was easier yeah. to play the game or it was easier to put up with a compromise until it just got too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and now absolutely. I, I date beautiful men, but I sit back and I go, do I like him? Yeah. Do I like him yeah. enough to pursue this? Otherwise, it's not fair for him either. Yeah. It's not fair for me to keep him in a holding pattern with me if I know that there's nothing here for me. Yeah, absolutely. But we as women need to remember that he's not the only person on the planet. There are, what, 7 billion of us, approximately 50% are males, Uh, 50% females, maybe slightly different in some age brackets, but pretty much there's an equal number. Yeah. Be discerning, be a lady, put yourself first, and if he's not for you, Ask, do I like him? Yeah. Do I like yeah. him? And stop giving your personal power away to another person to wait for them to choose or like you. Yes. And that's probably yes. the main part, the personal power part. Yeah. Don't hand that power over to anybody. And I love how you talk about you can do that with kindness. You can do that assertively and you know, a number of people get stuck in the confidence, for want of a better word, but the confidence to say no. Like I talk a lot about the confidence to say no. I work with a lot of clients about saying no, saying no. You know, in that instance, it's saying no to that relationship or no to going further. And, you know, it's so hard for people to say no. And you don't have to do it nastily. You don't have to do, you know, but you just need a way, you need a way to move forward and to be able to say it, to be able to hold your power in that place and not just be going on another date or another, you know, <laughs> because you didn't have enough confidence to say no in the first place, you know. Correct, correct. And the belief that he's the only one that's going to like yeah. you. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. But if you would rather be sitting in front of Netflix on Saturday night than dating him, cut him loose and let him go find <laughs> someone else 
<laughs> so he he can have the opportunity to be happy as well. That's right. That's right. I love yeah. it. Handing away that power. We've got to stop it, girls. No, we do. We do. Now, when two becomes one, when he either leaves or as a woman, you call it a day, you talked about the range of emotions that you went through and essentially that you got caught in being the victim as we were sort of talking about earlier. So how did you navigate this and what advice do you have for women who are currently sort of stuck in that place, stuck in that position of feeling like the victim of that relationship? Having gone through two divorces and having them very, very differently, the first one, I had young children, dependent on him financially. He, yeah. he was the major breadwinner. I was working part-time versus the second divorce where I had my career back. I was earning a good six figures. I earned more than he did. I was capable, confident, yeah. and a very, very different space. But go back to the first one, like the badge of honour for me as a victim and the, the negative self-talk and the negative dialogue that I went through was a horrible, horrible toxic pattern. Right. It really was. I had so little confidence. I had so little ability to even look at my own behaviours and reflect on anything other than they did. They did this to me. He said this. She yeah. did that. They did. And I had no power in me whatsoever. I'd given it all away. Yeah. And it took me quite a while, for quite a long while of very nasty, toxic. I was horrible. Yeah. I was not nice at all because I was so stuck in victim without any ability or any choice or any desire to look up the part I had played. I was all about them. They did, they did. Yeah. And it was just, when I look back now, I just, man, he and I did the best we could. Yeah. We absolutely did the best we could. There was neither one of us was right or wrong, but it's only through the, the choice to do the healing work. Look at your behaviours objectively. What am I actually doing here? Yeah. I now have the view, but nobody does anything to me. Nobody does anything to me. Mm. Somebody will make a decision and do a behaviour that works for them. There could be an impact on me. Yeah. But I get to choose my reaction. They still don't actually do anything to me. Right. I love that. That took a lot of healing. That took a lot of work for me to get to this space. Yeah. And was there a turning point when you're saying, you know, you weren't being a nice person, you, you know, obviously had young kids, you were in victim mode for quite some time, you're full of toxic feelings and emotions. Was there a moment, in, was there a switch? Was there something that happened that just flicked it for you or was it more of a gradual process? There was. So I had gone overseas to live in Northern Ireland with my sons, to live with my second husband where he lived in Northern Ireland. We went over there for a year, all came back to Australia and my first husband started on his antics again, text messaging, trying to get me into court again, a whole lot of stuff. Right. And the new man who'd come back from Ireland with me said, you sort this out or I'm going home. Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he goes, I'm not putting up with this. He said, sort it out. What, what's he doing? My first husband used to bully me all the time and, yeah. and I let him. Yeah. But then that was the real turning point to go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not train wrecking this new thing because of you. Right, Yeah. And Dave, the second husband, was like, that's the day your balls dropped. Wow. <laughs> Good on Literally, him. that was his language. That was the day your balls dropped. That's the <laughs> day, that's really the day you stood on your own and went, no more. Yeah. Line in the sand. Line in the sand. And it yeah. was, when you think about it, I had a pain point. I wasn't prepared to lose the new thing I had. Yes. By putting up with the toxin and the crap and the rubbish from the old thing that I had. Right. 
And when you look at a pivot point and a pain point, because that's what we are very motivated by. Absolutely. That was my pain point. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, so how do we get there? If we're not at that point and we're in that relationship, how do we flick that switch for ourselves? Do we start with seeing that really the, the toxic emotions that I'm having or being in that victim place is probably doing more damage to me than it ever is to the other person? Absolutely, absolutely. And to start in that space of really sit down, I don't care if you do it with a journal, pen and paper, girlfriend, couldn't care less, but own that you had a part in it. Yeah. Owning that you actually had a part in that relationship and you were not an innocent bystander dragged along by the other person is massive. Yeah. Painful, hurtful, hard, that's an amazing starting point. Yeah. Because it takes your power back from anywhere you've left it. Yes. Because you know what? I did play a part. Yeah. I wasn't innocent bystander. I wasn't dragged along. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's the turning. It gives you access to look at things differently and give you access to just move forward in a different direction than going down the bloody rabbit hole, which is getting darker and darker and more toxic and more toxic, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. And catch your own language. Catch the conversation in your own head. Mm. Is my constant dialogue bagging him out for what he did to me? Is my constant dialogue bagging someone else and constantly bitching and moaning about someone else and what they did to me? Yeah. Stop that. Literally just stop it. Don't say anymore. Don't say anymore. Because you bitch and moan and then you die. Then that's your life. And as we've just discussed, that could go at any time. You know, our our mothers that died early. Like if you're just going to bitch and moan, that's it. That could be the the sole total of your life and it's just your life. It's not worth your life to be in that place all the time. And it doesn't have to be. And, you know, also write in the book about if this person's toxic and the relationship's done, why would you give them another second of your energy, your life and your time? Exactly, exactly. Why would you give them any more? Get your balls to drop and cut it off. (laughs) I (laughs) I love that. Good on Dave. Good (laughs) on Oh my God, so funny. Now, there is a great chapter about personal power where you talk about the number of women that you've worked with and obviously your own experience who don't think they are worthy of love or they hang on to a relationship so tight because despite it being toxic and not serving them because they have a belief that he is the last man who will care for them. How do we get back our personal power and our confidence from this place? I mean, where the hell do we start with that? There's a chapter in the book and I write about, I've actually got a process in the book of going into a meditative state and collecting your personal power back from people in your world. You line them up, you you get them to put their hand out, they've got a little crystal in their hand (sighs) and you collect it from their hand and you take it all back. Right. When you think in terms of it's a literal piece of something, it's a little bit easier to take your your personal power back. Yeah. One breakup can knock our self-confidence, two knocks at more, three knocks at more. And then when we listen to the conversations in our head from other people, it's absolutely totally knocked apart. But again, us gals have the belief he's the only one who's going to like me. He's the first man I've met. I've only met two men and I've been single for two years. Yeah. The main thing you can do that works for everybody is work on yourself. It's the best dating advice I ever got from a guy called Mark Manson. Many of you will have heard him. Mark Manson talks about what the best dating advice is. It's personal development. Work on you. 
Come out of that toxic relationship and start to look at your values. Start to look at what's important. What do you want to experience? And I know many people listen and go, oh, yeah, but I can't always have what I want. Until you get clear about what you do want, how do you know that? Yes, exactly. Until you set new values and set new beliefs and actually upgrade your thinking, how do you know what you can and can't have? Yeah. And then when you do that, we talk about in my course and in my book about the field of reference, right? Because when you do that and you start to change your thinking and you start to put the line in the sand and say, this is what I want for my life or these are the people that I want in my life and this is what I will accept and what I won't accept anymore. When you do that, it creates new thinking and a new field of reference and so different people show up, different things that you didn't have access to before because you're attracting and people that are in the mindset that you're currently in and you don't see the other people. My mother used to always say, my beautiful mother, when I'd be out when I was young, late teens, early 20s, dating advice, the best dating advice, she said, if you keep meeting Mr. Wrong, look at his best friend, right? <laughs> because you're probably instantly attracted to Mr. Wrong, these same types of people, and you should be dating the nice guy standing next to him. And I tell you, it works. It really does work. Like it's just, you know, the old days when you used to actually meet them when you were out at a club or something. But It's like you've got to shift your view to start seeing the other people that are around. So it's creating that new space to operate in and you're not going to be there alone. You're just going to find new people to fit in to that, those thoughts who have similar beliefs, who have similar do's and don'ts, who have similar expectations. But you have to, as you say, you have to decide first. You have to make those choices for yourself and know what you want. Correct. I'm a universal ordering girl. I'm an EFT practitioner. We talk in energy. We talk in vibrations. If you are vibrating at a really low, dense energy, they're the ones you attract. Yes. If you're attracting at the higher vibrational, open, calm, clear energy, they're the people you attract. Yeah. Yeah. Easy way to do this. Start looking for, you know, nice Mercedes driving around or an Audi (laughs) or a or a, a nice BMW and stop looking for the Nissan X-Trail and watch how many of them are on the road. That's right. Because the field of reference yes. is different. Yes, yes. And for me, I've, yes. I said I would rather be home alone and doing the work on me yep. than hanging out with the wrong person. Absolutely. Which brings me to my next question, which <laughs> I love, I love, I love, the chapter on single is a valid lifestyle choice. Oh, my God. I just, oh, my God. I love this book. I didn't need this book because he's not gone and he's not going to necessarily going anywhere. But, oh, my God, this was so valuable with the women I work with, with girlfriends I've got, just single is a valid lifestyle choice. I love the power that that gives to people and the freedom. The permission you give to women to stay solo by choice, that it can be a choice rather than something that just happens when nobody else wants you. I mean, you say that there is loneliness, but really your loneliest moments were sitting beside your husband while he ignored you or lying in bed next to him knowing that he didn't want to touch you. So how do we reframe loneliness to see it as a gift, to see this whole lifestyle choice as really a choice and a gift? 
And single is a really, really valid choice for anybody. Yeah. It's not what happens to you when when nobody wants you. Yes. It, it can be an yes. actual valid choice. And it is, it's that when you start to reframe where is my own worth, where is my worth? Yeah. And you, you're right, I did have my lonely stay sitting in front of the TV with my husband yeah. and knowing he wanted nothing to do with me. Yeah. I was in a relationship. I was secure financially. I had children. Man, was it soul-destroying. Yeah, yeah. To know I was in bed and to feel him bristle, you think, yeah. what am I yeah. doing here? Yeah. That's not love. That's not compassion. That's not kindness. Yet I now can sit on the sofa on a Saturday night and I can have a glass of wine or a cup of tea, I can have my favourite journal, I've got that remote control yeah. and I can do whatever I want without compromise, Yeah, without asking, compromising, suggesting nothing. Or being made to feel like you're worthless or being made to feel like you're unwanted. Like that is yeah. a terrible feeling. You don't want to be sitting there with someone feeling that they don't want to be there. Like that's just the worst place to be sitting. Soul destroying for yeah. anybody. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to do some healing work and to be on your own and to really yeah. be your own best friend, build a network of fabulous, wonderful people around you that yeah. you can be friend with and hang out and do things with yeah. rather than have that constant rejection, that constant disappointment and that constantly, it's almost like just being tapped on the shoulder, just told you're not good enough. Yeah. All the time. Endlessly. Or constantly. Yeah. 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 And, and we are worth more than that. So I guess when you ask what's the gifting loneliness for me, it's the time to reflect. Mm-hmm. It's the time to sit and, and look at my life and what I have done, what do I still want to achieve. And look, I'm naughty. I can drive home from, I won't mention them, friends and family place, <laughs> and I listen to them talking and I think, what is it I think that I'm missing? I know. <laughs> There's the squabble and the arguments and the stress and I think, oh, Heading home, middle of the bed, do whatever I want. But it's also that space of look inside. Yeah. Look inside and see what I want. Am I really lonely? If you are, what can you do instead? Particularly in the early days. Have you got some friends to tap into? Have you got a girlfriend you can go hang out with? You've got anything you can do that will stop you feeling lonely for a period of time? Yeah. Or recognise and go, yep, I feel lonely right now. What can I do instead? Yeah. Own it and acknowledge it rather than, Feed it alcohol, feed it yes. food, you know, feed it more of the same yeah. and get yourself into or a Or go spiral. back to destructive relationships that just to ease that pain, but it actually is damaging in so many other ways, isn't it? Correct, yes. correct. Self-development work, self-love work, self-appreciation yeah. work is the antidote to that level of loneliness Yeah, because you start to really love and respect and, and appreciate the life you've got mm. so the loneliness, there's less of it or it's just yeah. not as prevalent and it doesn't mean as much. Yeah. It's just such a powerful place for people to operate from. When you choose it, it's a choice to be single. It's my choice to be single and therefore you fully have the power over it. As you say, it's just a shift in perspective. Nothing's changed. Nothing actual physically has changed. It's just that you are choosing being single rather than, oh, well, I've been rejected by everyone and this is the life I've got. No, 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 (laughs) no. shift that around and operate from a place of power. It's just, it's so powerful. I love it. I love it. Particularly these days as women, we have the choices. Yeah. Long gone are the days where we had to be married and stay with a man for financial stability. No. We often out-earn our men. We yeah. can buy our own properties. We can buy portfolios. Yeah. We can have children on yeah. our own. Yes. And we can still go out in the full moon naked with a handful of crystals and howl at the moon. 
And you can do all of that because this day and age, particularly Western world, we have choices. Absolutely. Every one of them is available to us as women. Yeah. Embrace it. Embrace them. I love it. I loved it. That was such a wonderful chapter of the book. I love it. I think that's going to give really so many women who may be single because someone's left them or they've actually had to call the day on a toxic relationship, be able to now step into that and really embrace being single and celebrating it. I mean, to be honest, it sounds amazing. (laughs) But it sounds amazing if you take it on and make it amazing, right? It's like that's the difference. Yeah, don't sit home sad because you're single. No, no. You've stepped in and just made it a lifestyle choice and a bloody fabulous one at that. (laughs) Totally. I come and go as I please. I don't answer to another human. I star shape in the middle of that big bed and I don't share the remote control. Fabulous. Oh, my God. It's so (laughs) awesome. All right, we're going to finish on our Rise Women, which, again, you've answered before, but we'll go through them again because we have to have the new, new answers. Our Rise Women final power questions. Lorna, what do you wish every woman knew? What do I wish every woman knew? We are far more powerful than we realise. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is your superpower? My superpower. And I can't remember what it was last time. I'll have to go back and listen. It'll be interesting to see if you've got more now. <laughs> Mine's definitely manifesting the things that I want. Very nice. Calling them in. Yes. A serial manifester. I love it. I love it. Heels or flats? Oh, it's definitely flats these days. I wish it was heels, (laughs) but you know. (laughs) I know. I'm getting to that stage as well. Uh, Your favourite quote or rule that you live by? Oh, okay. So my favourite mantra is get the mm mm-mm out of my way. Yes. That was what it was last time. I do remember that one. That was a fun one. And it's in, it's in the painting. So on the front of the book is a piece of artwork. It actually is artwork that lives in my house. Yes. My friend Tanya LaViz painted it. She has written that mantra in the oh, painting. Love it. There's three mantras in the painting and that's she actually painted in. What's your favourite? Yeah. There's always a way you can figure it out. If anyone can do this, it's me. Yeah. And I am enough. Love, love, love those. And you got those hanging on your wall. That painting's on my wall, the artwork on the front cover Beautiful. of the book. Beautiful. I love it. I love yeah. it. Okay, who inspires you and why? Who inspires me? Women who are having a red hot go. Yes. Yeah. Any woman, we're young, old, whatever, just someone who goes, you know what, I'm going to have a crack at this. Yeah, absolutely. Step in, have a go. Yes. Yeah. Step in, lean in and have a go. Yeah. I guess the other women that really inspire me are everyone who shows up in my school. So I I run the Australian Tapping Institute. We mm-hmm. train people to be life coaches, EFT practitioners. Every one of the people who enrol in that school come with a hope and a dream yeah. and, a, and an idea of what they want and to see them graduate out as the woman they want to be or the man yeah. with the confidence, yeah. the competence they inspire me regularly. Yeah, absolutely. They do the work, they do the growth, they want to shape the world and change it, massively inspirational. Yeah, beautiful. And last but not least, finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would? Be dangerous. <laughs> what is da- What does dangerous look like for you, Lorna? Oh, my God, it might, scare, like it might be scary. What the hell? Motorbikes? It comes back to that if I was, um, when am I in my most confident is when I forget to be afraid. Right. That's danger. 
Yeah, that's the dangerous stuff of, yeah, I could really forget to be afraid and be even more confident. Yes. What else can I achieve? Yes. Oh, so good. Well, we can't wait to watch you because, oh my goodness, your trajectory of life is so inspiring. You are, as I said in the beginning, everything about you is infectious. It's just just your energy, your spirit, your outlook on life. It's just you just want to have you as the girlfriend that you call over when you're feeling lonely. <laughs> because it is, you know, I love you. You know, you've got great things ahead. I can't wait to see what you do next. There will be a link to your book in the show notes for this podcast. So anyone who's out there that feels like this is the subject they need to learn a bit about, please go and buy Lorna's new book. It's fabulous, really It's got value in it. And thank you so much for giving up your time to be again with us as our return guest on the podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here and hang out with you. You know I love you too. And to be invited back is wonderful. So thank you. Yes, everyone, please read the book, Buy It for a Girlfriend. It's on Amazon and there's Audible comings too. I've just finished doing the Audible files. So be able to have me in your ears as well. Um, Thank you so much, Jodie, for... You know, bringing me back on. Oh, you're welcome. And I think it's such a great gift for that girlfriend who's going through a tough time. Such a great gift. Sure is. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch or start with some of our free downloads at risewomen.com forward slash free. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. So please share our podcast and our work with the women in your life that you know so they could thrive with more confidence. Thanks again. And until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now. Bye.